This week's episode is brought to you by the Percussion Interface and Percussion Interface Expander from 4MS. This pair of Eurorack modules generate gates and envelopes from acoustic drums, samplers, drum machines, and virtually any audio source, converting microphone, instrument, line, and modular signals into CV and clock gate signals. So, I mean, sky's the limit with this thing, really, but let's say I have a, uh, an, uh, a sample that I'm working with that has, like, you know, a drum beat. It's, say it's a full, fleshed-out track in sample form, and I want to build around that with uh, my modular, but I don't know the BPM. It'd be kind of hard to sync all that up. Well, not if you have the PI and PI expander. You can use that actual audio as to, to generate your clock and gate to then trigger your clock system to trigger the rest of your system. Boom, problem solved. Um, I'm also going to try and get into uh, using it with my guitar. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give you a heads up that the thing, this thing is now available from 4MS, the Percussion Interface and Percussion Interface Expander. So last week I uh, talked about the Benjolin V2 from Afterlater Audio, and maybe some of you went uh, to Afterlater's website and were like, oh no, they're sold out. Well, I think you could go to Patchworks and still get them. I know they have they have a, a limited inventory, so uh, if, if you tried to get a Benjolin from Afterlater Audio and they were sold out, they are getting restocked, but if you want it sooner than later, head over to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Um, and also, if you know, if you want to just check out the, the rest of the goods that they have, uh, I was just down there the other day, I, en- I ended up uh, leaving with an Instro uh, Lupa, Lupa? Man, that thing's crazy. Uh, once again, that's Patchworks, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. Um, and I also want to say thank you to Needham Woodworks, the finest Euro rat cases in all the land. Please go check them out at NeedhamWoodworks.com. And welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and uh, I will be your guide through this journey we're about to take with Akil Adam, an amazing Eurorack performer, uh, artist, awesome album on Mystery Circles, a really cool label. I mean, just all sorts of great stuff happening today. I first heard about uh, Akil when I. Uh, you know, started looking at the lineup for Synth Booth and then watched uh, his performance and was absolutely blown away. Then checked out the album, was absolutely blown away. And I was like, I gotta get this guy on the show. So that's what we're doing today. We're gonna get to know Akil. So last week I talked about um, the new Benjolin, the Benjolin V2 from uh, After Later Audio. And I, I mentioned that I was gonna do a performance with it. And then that video would probably be up by the time you, you heard my intro of the last episode. That was, that was not factual. I have not shot that video yet. I plan on doing it this week. I got rained out. Um, but I do want to tell you that I did upload my first Yellowstone performance video um, on YouTube. So I would absolutely love it if you could check that out. Um, I perform in front of a geyser that may or may not uh, go off while I'm performing. I've had a lot of people ask me so far if it's green screened. No, I was actually in front of that geyser. Um, that's just that's just how beautiful it was. Um, 
It was really crazy. If you watch them closely in the video, once it starts going off, you can see the uh, the mist from the geyser kind of going in between me and the camera. And, and I'm looking down as I'm as I'm performing this, and I see speckles of this this moisture all over my synth, and it's getting all over our car. And, and uh, I started thinking as I'm doing this, oh, this water is is acidic. <laughs> I hope this doesn't screw up. Uh, screw up our car and and my my modules uh we ended up having like a uh, a gallon jug of water in the car and we kind of just dumped it all over the car and i wiped off my uh my modules and 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 no harm no harm was done but it was kind of funny to think like oh yeah i hadn't taken into consideration that this acidic water was gonna blow all over us but yeah it was really fun we woke up before the sun came up to beat the crowds because it's pretty it's pretty crowded in yellowstone um so we got there right at sunrise, just beautiful, beautiful set. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just so excited to finally get to share this with you. So please, uh, please go to my YouTube and check it out. I, I've got like a, a vision board going. Six, I got a six month plan. I'd like to get a thousand followers on YouTube. So if you're listening to the show and you're not following me on the old YouTubes, I'd really appreciate if you could go check that out. Um, kind of an arbitrary goal, but not really. Um, you can't do live streams from your phone on YouTube uh, until you hit a thousand followers, and I would like to be able to do that. Um, anyways, it's part of my vision board. Also, part of my vision board is I would like to get to 175 Patreon subscribers in the next six months. Can we do that? I've been hovering right around 135, and I appreciate so much those of you who have recently joined up. But as you join up, other people, you know, you're taking the torch from other people. So it's just kind of staying stagnant. Not stagnant, that's not the right word. It's just kind of staying even. Um, and, you know, to those of you who have passed the torch on and can no longer uh, help out, I totally appreciate your help so far. It means so much to me. Um, but yeah, that's my vision board. Can you help me? 1,000 followers, 175 Patreon subscribers. Let's do it together. I'm going to upload some cool stuff to Patreon, some exclusive content I already have. Um, I've got some behind-the-scenes stuff from my Mount Rainier performances, and I'm going to upload some of my practice jam sessions around the fire from Yellowstone um, once all the Yellowstone videos are out. Um, and if there's anything you'd like to see, you know, as bonus content there on the Patreon, let me know. I want to work with you. Let's open source this. But yes, thank you so much to everybody who has, has uh, helped out there. Um, thanks to everybody who's so involved on the Discord. It's been so much fun doing the patch challenges together and just you know, having general conversations with y'all. It's been a, a truly gratifying experience, so thank you. I'm going to stop rambling soon. Uh, I just want to say really quick that Fantagraphics here in Seattle has taken so much of my money recently. Um, I'm just, I've devoured the entire Meg Mog and Owl series from Simon Hanselman. It's, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about um, like comics or graphic novels. They're not I've, I've always said I wanted to get into graphic novels, but never could. It's because I was, like, trying to go, like, the superhero route, and that's just not my thing. I like, I like more of the weird, funny stuff. There's one I'm reading right now called Leaving Richard's Valley from Michael DeForge. It is so weird and hilarious. Um, there's one that's just blowing my mind. It's called um, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, I believe. Emil Ferris. It's one of the craziest, most artistic things I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, if, if, if any of you have any suggestions for some cool, weird, um, comics for me to check out, hit me up, go, go over to the discord and let me know, or hit me up in the DMS. Um, all right, I'm going to stop 
mumbling and ranting here. Uh, but before we get into this chat with Akil, uh, I'm going to show you this new module from a new modular company called New Systems Instruments. Okay, let's take a look at the HSO, the Harmonic Shift Oscillator from New Systems Instruments. The harmonic shift oscillator produces harmonic and inharmonic spectra through, uh, throughout the all-analog circuitry. It provides uh, similar capabilities to FM synthesis, but with a more direct relationship between the parameters and the resulting spectrum. You can separately control the tuning, the level of the harmonics, and the harmonic stride, which is the spacing between consecutive harmonics. Uh, when the harmonic stride is uh, integer, Valued, you can get tones that sound similar to traditional sine, triangle, square, and sawtooth, although the waveform will be slightly different. If harmonic stride is non-integer valued, uh, you'll get a complex inharmonic waveform. Uh, I don't know what any of that really means, because I'm not an elect electrical engineer. But I'm sure a lot of you out there are like, oh, that sounds interesting. So let's, rather than uh, talk about it, let's, uh, let's, let's play about it. So I'm going to turn this, there's a level control uh, for the stride. So I'm going to turn that up to noon. Um, and what, what you hear right now is stride is all the way down. So we got this nice sine wave. Uh, so let's just, let's just slowly bring that stride up. Let's bring the level up a little bit more. It's about three quarters of the way up on both, and we'll bring the stride all the way up. Okay, and that's just, uh, the level and stride all the way up. Let's bring the level down. So this is actually, I'm gonna take the sequence out because it's really fun to play with it just droning and uh, manually mess with the level and stride. as you can probably imagine, um, CV control is when uh, things get really interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ping a uh, a tilt from After Later Audio. It's like a, a slope generator, and I'm gonna throw that in to the uh, the stride CV in, and then I'm gonna bring that attenuator up a little bit. Without the level, so I'm going to turn the level up to mid because uh, you can't really hear what's happening with the stride if the, the level's all the way down. And now I'm going to uh, trigger an, an Envy from uh, After Later Audio and put that into uh, the level input. I'm using the WMD Metron, so I'm using some really percussive uh, gates with the, uh, the tilt and the Envy. So I'm going to just turn the level and the stride halfway up. And now there is an FM uh, input, which is really, really fun. So I'm going to take a, a, an oct LFO and put that into the, to the FM. And then I'm going to slowly turn that attenuator. Up. 
there you have it. How fun is that? This is a really robust oscillator. Um, you can have a lot of fun with it. You get it droning through some delay uh, and into some reverb and just play with it manually. It's like you can you can do some really wild stuff. Um, but yeah, it really covers a wide spectral swath. Um, so yeah, if you want to help support a brand new modular company, go check out New Systems Instruments. There's a link in the show description. If you're good, I think so. Yeah, sweet. Akil Adam. First of all, I wanted to ask you about your name. Mm-hmm. So you, you show up as Akil Phillips in here. So is it Akil yeah. Adam? Are you Akil Adam Phillips? Yeah. So it's actually Adam. Um, it's oh, an okay. Arabic name. Yeah. It's okay. the Arabic version of Adam. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. So I've been listening to your uh, your album all morning. Just mm-hmm. kind of like. And it, it, I feel like the description was kind of perfect for today, being it's election day, and we were just yeah. talking off off mic a little bit about how uh, we're both kind of stressed out. Um, so <laughs> I feel like it was fitting to listen to something that was kind of um, uh, inspired or like anxiety plays a lot into mm-hmm. the new album. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've I've just got some pretty broad stroke questions about that because I really enjoyed it. It's uh, very very Thank good. You. Thank you. But yeah. um, I figured I'd get to know you first because I I've just barely talked to you. Um, yep. I got I became familiar with you by watching your set um, at Synth Booth, yeah. and was blown away. And and it was really really cool to see like the chat just lit up. Like everybody was <laughs> like just like. Yeah, I, you were you were you were killing it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and then we you know we we chatted a little bit, but after that, and then listening to you know to the album, I was like, okay, we, I gotta get I gotta get to know I gotta get to know this guy more. <laughs> like I, need, I have questions. Um, so you're out in Philly right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Are you from Philadelphia? Yeah. So I originally grew up um, a little outside of Philly and then I spent the last few years in New York. Um, But now I'm back here because it's a little cheaper to live here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So growing up, were you uh, like, when did music hit you and when did you learn that you were going to be a musician and like how I want to, I want to walk down that road with you and and, and end up in modular and your enormous modular setup. (laughs) I would say I was something of like a, a late bloomer. Um, I, I didn't really have an interest in music or art like generally until I was like 13 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was a really crazy musician. He was like a jazz guitarist and okay. he was friends with a couple of the greats. Um, and I always knew that, you know, he played guitar, but it was something I didn't really grow to respect until later, I guess. Um, so one day the thought just popped into my head, like, you know, playing guitar would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. My mom said, all right, let's go talk to your grandfather. Let's, let's get you set up. Um, okay. So I guess my family kind of has that, like, great respect for music. Um, not everybody is a musician like that, but it's definitely something that has kind of, like, always been important in the family, has always been, like, super encouraged by everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. That's cool. You had that resource there too. Yeah. Definitely. You know, your grandfather to kind of hit the ground running. Um, was there any, like, was there any music that you were listening to at the time that was kind of maybe pulling you in to want to do that? Or was it more yeah. of just like, I mean, I know as, as a 12 year old boy, I was like, Oh, maybe <laughs> girls will pay attention to me if I play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I mean, well, like I said, I, I didn't really have a, an interest in music, which is funny. Like, the way that I just kind of like figured I could pick up guitar like nothing um, because uh-huh. I didn't <laughs> I didn't listen to a lot of music at first when I tried to learn um, so it didn't stick really at first but it was only until a little bit later when I was like listening to like you know Nine Inch Nails or like Metallica or whatever and like I had the guitar sitting in the corner of my bedroom and I was like you know I, pr- I could probably play like the hand that feeds and <laughs> <laughs> you know lo and behold I could kind of figure out a couple of the songs that I was listening to and um from there it definitely grew um so you know like just kind of that like metal or like industrial rock kind of kind of catapulted me towards that okay all right well listening to your album that's that's not what i would imagine uh (laughs) you're influenced by um so when you went to your grandpa was he like was he super stoked and did you did you end up like studying with him at all or did was was he helpful in in, (laughs) it? so that's a pretty funny story because um yeah, we we went around the corner. He lived just like around the block, and uh, my mom was like, "Go on, tell him, tell him." And I was like, you know, <laughs> thinking of <laughs> thinking of picking up guitar. And my grandfather said, "All right, um, that guitar over in the corner, just take that one, and you're gonna learn the way that I learned." And I was like, "All right, sick." So how did you learn? And he said, "Leave, go figure it out." <laughs> so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess in, in terms of instruction, I didn't get a lot of instruction, but I mean, being able to kind of walk out with a guitar is like a pretty crazy resource in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then did you touch base with him as you, was it, I could see, I could see doing something like that with uh, you know, a nephew or something mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that they were actually, if they came back in a month and, and showed that they were like making some, some effort, yeah. then maybe like I could, was it one of those situations or... Was he um, just like figure it out the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was mostly figure it out. Um, and I mean, I ended up joining like the jazz band in high school and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So he saw me perform a couple times. Um, unfortunately, I guess, you know, he passed away um, before I got like super confident as a musician. So it was never yeah. something I really wanted to like show off to him um, while yeah. he was still living. Um, but I think, you know, he would be happy with where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, I see you have a few guitars behind you. There's a Strat yeah. and a, I can't tell what the other one is. Ah, a Les um, Paul. Yeah, that's my nice. uh, knockoff Les Paul from when I was yeah. like 16. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have the the guitar that he gave you? Yeah, it's at my parents' house. Um, yeah. It's still hanging up. I my mom My mom had this acoustic guitar that she mm-hmm. got when she was like 12 years old and it was just always in the house. And I, you know, around 12 is when I was like, I decided I was going to start playing with it. Yeah. And uh, that was the guitar that I learned on, and the brand was Conqueror. So it's like it was a <laughs> shitty, like cheap Sears guitar, even you know by the standards of when she bought it. And the action was so high, and it was just like impossible to keep in tune. You had to really crank it. Yep. And um, the, yeah, with the action being so high, I feel like I actually, in the end, became a much better guitarist because when, yeah, I, got, when I got a nicer guitar, I was like... Oh, this is so much easier to play. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like a rite of passage, like going yeah. through, like <laughs> suffering through, you know, the old rusty strings and like the super high action and the cables yeah. that probably don't work that well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. My, so my first electric guitar I got from just like a family friend mm-hmm. and he didn't, he didn't play guitar. He just had some, and looking back, I think it was like one of those cool, like Japanese, um, like those just like the, I just love those kind of like seventies Japanese guitars. Um, yeah. so I wish I would have kept it, but, uh, I remember just plugging it in and I was just like, just jamming on it for hours at his house <laughs> and didn't know how to play it. And I think luckily he was just nice enough to, he was like, well, this kid's, you know, really digging this. So he just let me yeah. keep it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just like those, those, those angels of, of your childhood who, uh, who, who hook you up with stuff that you can't get because you're, you don't have a job or money <laughs> or anything. <laughs> yeah. I think it takes a little bit of luck to really end up like taking music seriously, like later in life, like you kind of definitely. Need yeah. And I feel like you need a, a few moments and I'm curious to hear like if you had any of these mm-hmm. to have somebody kind of like, maybe like cheer you on or give mm-hmm. you a little bit of positive reinforcement. Like I was playing, I was playing along with a Garth Brooks song at 12, mm-hmm. not knowing a single thing. And I, and I must've hit on accident, complete accident, like two right notes while the song was playing. And my dad looks over <laughs> and says, Hey, that sounded pretty good. And that was like, that's all yeah. I needed to keep, to keep going. Um, yeah. So like when you started up, was there anything like, what, what were some of the things that kind of kept you going? Was it learning particular songs or, mm-hmm praise or yeah i mean i was never the kind of person to like sit there and like practice my scales or whatever yeah um (laughs) and i think my mom definitely definitely pushed me towards um like she'd notice i was listening to a song a lot and she'd be like i bet you could play that song i was like huh you know maybe i could and i'd like lock myself in my bedroom for two hours and like figure it out um so okay, there's so like like an encouraging challenge. Yeah, like, I yeah, bet you exactly. could do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like get out of my hair for <laughs> a few hours. <laughs> um, and my high school music teacher was also really big um, for for just learning and growing as an artist generally. Um, mm-hmm. I think he definitely like saw a bit of potential in me, um, and he would always kind of like sit me down like whether or not we're playing music or just chatting. Um, and he'd always like kind of push me to, I guess like broaden the horizons. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I, I started just like, you know, playing like drop D like nine inch nails riffs. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, he would kind of like, he would do stuff like sit down at the piano and like play some crazy passage and be like, you know, play that back for me. Like just uh-huh. kind of that kind of continual challenge that, um, you know, just stuff that you never like imagined that you could do until someone like mm-hmm. tells you that you could or like kind of totally gives you that yeah. push. I, I I had um a, a teacher my senior year, like all through school I had just never even entertained the idea of going to college or mm-hmm. I was a C student and I was just kinda had it in my head that like acad- academics were just something that it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um and I just I had this one teacher in a reading appreciation class. He gave us books and he liked he was just like he was really encouraging. He's like, you know, you, you understood that really cool. And he started feeding me new stuff. And like, like Mm. I was just kind of like, I'd never been encouraged like academically before in my entire life. Um, and so to have that, like I ended up going to college for, you know, seven years. And if I, Mm -hmm. and if I hadn't had him for that reading appreciation class, I'm almost positive that I wouldn't have ended up doing that. And it sounds like this instructor, like 
who knows where you would be doing now. I feel like you need those people to push you in your youth because you could have, you know, who knows, maybe you would have just not continued playing, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think I would be anywhere near the musician that I am today without these people who have been pushing me. Um, yeah. And it is pretty crazy to think about like, wow, what are the like chances that you just ended up like incidentally finding some person that, you know, you totally. really with in that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think about that with my wife. Like I, I played in a band with uh, Greg Markle from Recovery Effects. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you're familiar with his yep. stuff, yeah. um, but he's a close friend of mine. I was playing in a band with him. He knows a guy who had a band that opened up or not, you know, we played a show together and my wife happened to be friends with a guy in that band. And we, you know, it's just like, it's like, what oh, if wow, she yeah. wouldn't have went to her <laughs> friend's show? And what if I wouldn't have met, like if I wouldn't have met Greg, I wouldn't have met my wife. And, and yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's weird to think about those, like those moments in time where if you wouldn't have crossed paths, your life would be completely different. It's just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes get scary. anxiety thinking about that. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like fun to think about in like a, in a cool, like kind of trippy sci-fi sort of way. But because I'm kind of prone to anxiety, it mostly is just kind of like, okay, yeah, stop yeah. thinking about that. That's, that's too stressful. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of, I always kind of saw it as like, it kicks my ass to like, you know, if I'm on the fence about going to a show, like, uh, you know, go to that show. Like, you never know if you're going to, like, meet someone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I would say to anybody kind of in in a in a situation where you're feeling like you want to do something, but, like, anxiety or, like, some, like, sort of depressive laziness is, is keeping mm -hmm. you from doing it. Like, I met so many of my friends here in the in the Seattle scene by just going to a show or saying yeah. yes to playing a show that maybe I was like, uh... I'm a little bummed out. I don't really want to do that, but it's like, yeah, you, you do, you never know what you're going to miss. Like Ian, yeah. um, the guy who used to co-host the show with me, mm -hmm. you know, we met while we were playing on the same bill and he ended up officiating my, my wedding. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you never know what you're going to miss. Had I not played that show, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, so like this kind of makes me think about anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, where we're talking about anxiety and we, and I mentioned at the top here, your album was a little bit, uh, well, not a little bit. It sounded like it was kind of yeah. solely like based off of that. Do you want to talk about like depression and anxiety at all? It's something I like to to talk about because people seem to, if they're out there feeling it, they like to feel less alone with it. Is that something that you've been dealing with your whole life or is it kind of new? Or, um, You know, I think the thing that's been new for me is the acknowledgement of it. I think it's something uh -huh. that possibly like everybody, you know, is working with or struggling with like for most of their lives in some capacity. Um, and I think for me, I mean, I've been very fortunate that um, a lot of things have gone right for me. I haven't struggled a ton with these kind of things, but I think it's really easy. You know, I, I just kind of did it. It's really easy to kind of say like, Oh, I don't have any problems. Like uh, it's not that big a deal. Like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I, I was writing this album, Hollow Moon, at the time that I was learning to, you know, acknowledge these anxieties, to think about them deeply, to introspect, um, to do something about it, really. Um, mm -hmm. I started writing the album at the same time that I um, started going to therapy, which mm -hmm. is something that probably like high school killed never would have imagined doing or even college right. appeal. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that was a big step in terms of just sitting down and saying like, 
you know, I could use some help with this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I mean, I'm fortunate in that it doesn't, you know, control my life as much as um, some friends that are unfortunately like struggling with it a lot more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's something that has affected me and especially has affected my capacity to, you know, help those friends and be the shoulder that they can lean on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's something that I have been thinking a lot about for the past year, especially. Um, I think it's something we're all thinking about. <laughs> yeah. <But>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to ask like how much yeah. of it, like it seems like um, a lot, I think, I think a lot of people in this world, especially now with COVID, but like, I think since like 2016 in our, in, mm-hmm. a, in the United States anyways, um, yeah there's been a bump in anxiety and depression for obvious reasons, you know, we're just being completely torn apart. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just made me kind of curious reading about that. I was, I was going to ask, like, is this something Mm -hmm. that maybe started recently, but it sounds like you just acknowledged it recently. And like, so with acknowledging it recently, are you able to now kind of like look back and be like, Oh, this started a lot longer ago. I've been dealing with this a lot longer than I, than I thought. Or do you think it was onset by actual external events later in life? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that is kind of ongoing. I mean, it's something that's easy to kind of like sweep under the rug and like keep on chugging, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like, um, like I mentioned, like going to therapy for the first time, you know, I kind of sat down in the first session and my therapist was like, oh, what's going on? Like, what, what brings you in? And yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> the amount of stuff that like floods out of you in that moment is like crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's something, you know, there's always something going on like your whole life. But um, for me, I guess it kind of reached like a boiling point or like a tipping point, like only fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're finding that music... I mean, you made a you made an album out of it, so it's mm-hmm. it's 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 part of the process in some way. Do you do you find it a kind of a, a coping or a healing or just take your mind off of it type thing? Yeah, I mean, I think this was the first kind of piece of music where I wanted to go into it with like just an overarching theme that I wanted to kind of write towards, um, mm-hmm. rather than just kind of having like cool jams that I finish and you know definitely they don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of meaning um it was something where I wanted to sit down and think about different concepts and try to like represent them sonically um so in that way it definitely was um something of a coping mechanism probably uh, probably less of coping and more of just kind of like me sussing out like the different ways that you know, anxiety was affecting me or the different ways that it manifests. Um, Mm -hmm. so each of the pieces on the album kind of reflects a different way that like anxiety can creep up on you or enter your life or at least my life. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, um, you mentioned earlier, like an overarching theme. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a through line to this and it feels like an album. And that's something that I like that's, I like, I like that when I'm, when I'm looking for an album, like I, I have a bunch of loose fragments over like years of recording music. And if I were to put them together and release them, I would call it like, you know, here's like 
leftovers or reset. Like I wouldn't package <laughs> yeah. it as an, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I'm definitely not. Cause I know people who do collect stuff over time and then pick what they like best and put it together. But yeah. for me, like, I don't know, I, maybe it's, it's like kind of the age of age of music that I kind of like found myself in growing up. Uh, just like albums were very, very important to me. Like I like a good concept album and, and stuff yeah. like that. And, and, and that's, I, I think what I really liked about, about your album. It's just, it felt like a coherent piece of music. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit more, but we kind of got derailed. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering where synths come into it. And like, mm-hmm. and like you're, you mentioned already some, like you've mentioned Metallica and Nine Inch Nails. And like I said, that this album doesn't sound like that. So yeah. is there something you start listening to later in life that maybe then pulls you into synths or do you get into synths and then start listening to different types of music? Yeah. I mean, um, it's funny. I, I don't listen to a lot of electronic music, um, which is something that I've been trying to rectify recently for, in particular. <laughs> Same here. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I listen to, uh, you know, like those bands we were talking about before, um, you know, popular rock. And I think at some point um, I kind of, I gravitated towards stuff like, um, like post-rock, or, um, you know, even like, I don't know, like more extreme forms of metal where like you just have like this kind of soundscape mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's what was really appealing to me in these forms of music that I guess I couldn't pinpoint when I was like 16 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I really started getting pulled towards these like these pieces of music that kind of like transport you to like some world, like Mm -hmm. whether it be like a really hopeful world or a really like depressing crushing world or whatever. (laughs) Um, but I, I definitely found myself gravitated towards, you know, music that just had like this space to it and this like Mm -hmm. setting in this context. Can you Um, give me some examples of that? Cause I'm I'm like mm -hmm. running through my head. I'm like, this sounds like he's talking about this, but I'm I'm just (laughs) curious. Um, you know, I think when I first listened to like, this will destroy you. Um, that mm-hmm. was like a huge thing for me. Um, or when I just like started discovering like, um, I don't know, even like Deathcore when that got popular when I was like mm-hmm. in high school, you know, like the bands with like the straightened hair and the skinny jeans, like <laughs> it, it, they were like memes on YouTube, but like they were, uh, they were kind of onto something. Um, <laughs> so I listened to a lot of like, you know, like Suicide Silence or like those kind of like really crushing, like um, just bands that like transported to you, you to this mm-hmm. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I, I totally, I, I relate to that so much. I think the stuff that I was into at a younger age, I look back at the stuff mm-hmm. that I still like from when I was younger had some sort of atmospheric, something mm-hmm. else other than just rock, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I felt myself definitely being pulled into those worlds. So I get that. So, so you're, is, so like where, like synth, like what do you do? Is there yeah. one song, one thing you're like, I want a synth. Like, where does that come <laughs> in? <laughs> um, so I think, I don't know, my, my, uh, the story of me ending up, I guess, like, you know, working with synthesizers was not seeking out synth specifically. And, mm-hmm. I think where I ended up like craving like production, like being a producer and, you know, working with like synths and stuff um, was when I was like in bands in high school and I kind of like, I had this like grand idea of like this like 
you know, sprawling soundscape I wanted to like, uh-huh. you know, create in this band, but we're like high schoolers in like a garage or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I was really, um, I was really like dissatisfied with like, you know, that kind of, that, you know, literal garage band that like everybody kind of goes through. Um, uh-huh. So I kind of like retreated to my bedroom, you know, with my guitar and like Ableton and kind of like got really into like producing just like on the computer. Um, and I think from there, it kind of like branched out into like the world of like hardware and like synthesizers and eventually like modular synthesizers. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of founded in this, this desire to kind of be like controlling like uh-huh, this whole uh-huh. like <laughs> you know controlling everything basically i'm just a control freak <laughs> yeah i think the progression from producer into modular is is like so logical and mm-hmm. it makes so much sense and it, yeah. it's it's that surgical control over every little aspect yeah. um so so how long have you been into modular because like i said at the beginning you've got an enormous setup mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got one of the biggest <laughs> synths i've seen <laughs> um so, well, the modular has been a project for almost like four years now. Um, okay. And I mean, it's funny to look back on how much it's changed um, in that mm-hmm. time frame. Um, but yeah, just like grabbing like one or two modules a month, like it all just really accumulates quickly. <laughs> it really does. It does. And, and at the beginning, you're like, it's so expensive. I'm never going to get a big synth. And then you find yourself surrounded by modules yeah. a few years later. And you're like, I don't know how this happened, but... Shit, I got too much stuff now. <laughs> you got too much and you don't want to sell any of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I love wheeling and dealing. I'm like, ooh, what could I, I, could, I could trade. I love trading. I love like haggling with people over it. Like, hey, I'll give you these two things. For um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's always, it's never fun to just sell it. You're like, oh, it's, it's like almost like there's like a trading card aspect to it or something. Um, yeah. So, so with uh, with Hollow Moon, is there is that all modular? It sounded like there was some stuff where you might have been playing keys, especially the last track. It sounded like yeah. that was a human playing keys on that. Yeah. Um, I think, so I guess the way I would s- describe it is that Hollow Moon is probably like 95% hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily all modular. Um, so I've got, for that album, I was using like, a dig attack for the drums, um, like a Novation Peak for the polysynth sounds. Um, okay. Uh, just a bunch of like outboard gear. Uh, there's like a Tascam for like running tape loops and that kind of stuff. Um, okay. But I almost always start the compositions with modular. It's kind of like mm-hmm. my my playground for like composition. Okay. Yeah, I always find that when I ask this question about an album that sounds like really fleshed out and like Mm -hmm. really, really good. It's usually a combination. I mean, there are people who I'm not saying it can't be done and people don't do it all on modular, but I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it seems like the one, the albums that I find myself really gelling with when I ask this question, a lot of the time, it's just kind of like whatever I needed to get the job done. Yeah. You know, um, sounds like, I mean, like, so a lot of multi-tracking, like I'm just curious. I want to, I want to talk about your process of, of yeah. building these tracks because they sound they sound really well produced and and big you know yeah, and, and you. there's some songs where the drums are going and then all of a sudden new drum samples come in and they sound a little bit more organic and all of a sudden the song is elevated to this new level and it's like mm-hmm. it feels it feels 
grand in a way, mm. in, a, in a really fun way that I, <laughs> yeah. that you spent, t- I could tell this, that you spent a lot of time on this and, and there was a lot of intent on it. So like, mm-hmm. are you, are you multi-tracking? Are you, are you uh, kind of going all live? Are you, how long do you build a piece? Do you sit with one for patched up on your system for a month and then record it and then go to the next one or like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I do multi-track. Um, I use like the expert sleepers modules. Um, mm-hmm. so, ES8 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've mm-hmm. just got, um, those, they run as like an expansion to my interface. It's mm-hmm. super easy. I've got like eight outputs from my modular. Um, so it's super easy to get, um, just like high quality, like multi-track recordings coming off of the modular. Um, mm-hmm which solves a lot of headaches like immediately. Um, yeah. And then everything else is also multi-tracked as well. Um, Cause I think I'm kind of a perfectionist coming from like the production background of when I was like, you know, working just totally in the box, like totally in Ableton. Um, mm-hmm. The ability to go back and like tweak stuff was something I didn't want to lose when I started working with hardware. Um, so like it's always been a real sticking point for me. Like at every step along the way, I wanted the modular to be multi-tracked. I wanted to be able to have like the drums in isolation, the peak like doing its own yeah. thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that allows me to kind of go back and potentially like totally change the composition like after I've recorded it. Um, yeah. The recording process is usually just like, you know, hit record and like, let the stuff generate whatever it's going to generate for like 10 minutes and then i'll just kind of like go back and like you know drop out the drums here um like you know add a little fill here like rearrange different parts um here and there so i think it kind of gives that like natural marriage between like something that you can tell like came from hardware but um i think gets a little bit more polished because you get that kind of like end production Definitely. I, I, I've kind of been doing the same thing for a while when I got into modular, I just went into stereo, mm-hmm. um, stereo, you know, just two track cause I wanted to just get good at modular. And, yeah. um, you know, now that I feel a lot more comfortable with it, I'm definitely doing a lot more multi-tracking and going back and like slicing parts up. Like if I like yeah. this, you know, this bar, but I changed it earlier than, you know, I wished I had, I, I'll, I'll go in and, and slice it up. And I find like, I feel like I'm finally like, melding what I was doing pre-modular with modular. And it's, it yeah. sounds actually really similar, like mm-hmm. to what you're talking about. And, um, you know, there's like, there's like a 5% purist in me that's like, no, let it be what it was <laughs> when you recorded it. But then like the other 95% of me is like, or it could be way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will say like, um, a lot of the tracks on hollow moon are like cannibalized, like, I take old <laughs> tracks and because like I was multi-tracking them, you know, I, at some point when I just like sat down after work to like just make sound, but it, like mm-hmm. the song came out like just basically shit, um, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'll come back to that like a year later. And because I have the multi-tracks, I can kind of like take some interesting part of it and like throw it into morphogene. And then that's the basis of a new track. Dude. Um, yeah. I've been doing similar stuff yeah. with like, like I've loaded a bunch of stuff into STS and morphogene. And I'm like, what can I do mm-hmm. with the old stuff that maybe I didn't do anything with that? I liked textures of, but, and like I said, with the stereo recording, I'm like, yeah, but I didn't multi-track it. So I don't want yeah, it anymore, definitely. but yeah, but it's like, it's a way of like recycling or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just, it gives you a lot of freedom. Um, and a lot of like, the tracks off of hollow moon are like total Frankenstein tracks where like, I just took like the drums and percussion from like some recording and like slap them together with like something else mm-hmm. totally different. Um, 
and I just think like it gives you so much flexibility and so much ability to like go back and tweak that like like is really hard to come up with just on the spot I think mm-hmm. yeah was your performance at synth booth was that was that one of the tracks from Hollow Moon or or, or a piece no. did it contain pieces of it because I felt like you know because I hadn't listened to it when mm-hmm. I saw you and then just kind of listening to it a few a few days after seeing you play live I was like has a similar vibe so I, d- I couldn't tell yeah. if I was just remembering stuff or if it was just like because it was from the same artist um, but um yeah yeah no I um I think I, I used some sample of a different track but I think that one was totally unreleased um yeah nothing from hollow moon on that one um okay yeah that one is totally unreleased as of right now Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, like Hollow Moon has like kind of like a hip hop vibe to it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't call it hip hop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you got really good drum samples on that. Your cymbal you. samples are really, really nice. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to ask, there's kind of like this, this bell sound that mm-hmm. creeps in and out throughout the mm-hmm. album. Like, yeah. can you reveal what was that? What was that? <laughs> um, that's <laughs> Elements, uh, Mutable elements? elements. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That um, makes sense. So I like I like elements a little bit better than rings, which I do might, too. Might get kicked off the show, but yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I prefer elements. I think elements is is. Uh, I think maybe its size is why it's not yeah. as popular as rings. But I think it's like, I I feel like it does what it does is just way better and way like mm-hmm. way more robust than rings. Yeah, definitely. In and fact, it, it, I had to get rid of mine because I was using it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, everything I made, I was like, okay, you got to learn how to use something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, it's all over Hollow Moon. And like, when I go back and listen, I'm like, oh God, do I have any other sounds? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite modules. And for that reason, like something I need to like purposefully stay away from when I'm working now. Um, mm-hmm. But I like, I like it better than Rings because it gets nastier. And yeah. I think like with the whole like exciter section, it's more like natural, mm-hmm. like the way it can go from like some kind of like pseudo woodwind to some kind of like pseudo percussive sound. Um, I really dig those sounds where like, it sounds like it could be real, but it is yeah. abstract still in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So like, now yeah, I want to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, all over Hollow Moon are like these kind of like impossible bell sounds, you know, like a bell mm-hmm. that is like changing in like material as it's ringing out or whatever. Um, yeah. Like that's kind of something that I was really into at the time. Well, and I think, so when I read the description, um, you know, before I listened to the, al- the album, like intently, mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, this is going to maybe like, I was thinking it was going to sound anxiety inducing or stress inducing and, it, and it's, mm-hmm. but it's not. So it's like... But what I think you did really, really tastefully with what, and why I brought up the bells um, is that does feel like the part of it that could just be bordering on needling your, mm. you know, your brain a little bit. It's like yeah. a kind of not atonal. They're kind of dissonant, but just but you bring it right. You bring it very tastefully to the line where they're still pleasant to listen to. And I just thought mm. that was really, really well done. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, how did you get hooked up with mystery circles? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't totally remember. I mean, I, (laughs) I released a just little EP back in like 
September 2019. Um, mm-hmm. That was my first like hardware EP where, you know, I had like a decent modular setup. I had like a few pieces and I was kind of like, you know, I want to challenge myself to actually release something with all of this mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah. So I released a little EP and at some point David from Mystery Circles heard it. Um, and then he asked me about Hollow Moon or I guess the project that would eventually become Hollow Moon, um, mm-hmm. which was a pretty tight timeline. Um, I think he asked me about it in like November 2019, and then it eventually came out in like April or early May. Uh, so were you sending stuff out to them, or did he find it and then approach you? Yeah, he just found it. Okay, um, cool. Somehow on Instagram, I guess, yeah. with the right hashtags or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening, Mystery Circles, is it L.A.? I know it's, it's California, right? It's a, um, uh, like a, yeah, I believe it's L.A. Yeah, so it's, um, it's not strictly modular, is it? I think there's a no. lot of modular music on it, but it's mostly just electronic music. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some good stuff on there. I highly recommend you go check out um, their catalog. Well, that's cool. That's got to feel good to get to get like approached <laughs> for something. Like I know a lot of yeah, people definitely. spend so much time sending stuff out, and I've had people ask me like, how you know how do you get stuff you know released on a, a label or whatever? And it's like I don't know because I've <laughs> tried so many times, and and I, I feel like it's you. I think with today's model, especially like small tape labels like mystery mm-hmm. circles or like flag day recordings or, um, or even self-centered records, like the thing that I kind of do, um, I feel like you just have to be approached because most yeah. people are, are not like, they're either getting so many emails that they're just not checking any of them. Cause they're yeah. like, well, I'm going to just find what I want. So like, yeah, that's, that's lucky. That's cool. That they yeah, found no, you. And it's, it's, it's good fit. super lucky. Um, And yeah, it's definitely, it's very, you know, I'm very fortunate. I like have a lot of friends who are like sitting on projects that they're trying to like figure out what to do with. Um, Mm -hmm. I have three. I have no idea. Just start your own label. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did that and it didn't work. Um, (laughs) No, that's really cool. Um, So I, I, this is, it's like a, such a, a dumb question, a dorky question and pretty much meaningless question, but because mm-hmm. I've alluded to it twice, I'm just curious how many HP and how many U is your setup? Yeah. Um, so it is a hair over a thousand HP. Um, wow. <laughs> and it's six rows. Um, okay. So for a while I was using like the Pittsburgh, um, EP 420. Mm-hmm. which at the time was like a gigantic case. And then I kept like putting like <laughs> skiffs in front of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and at some point I was like, I got to do something about this. Cause like, I'm sick of like turning on like 14 different pieces of gear every time I want to like make something. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, I, I think there's kind of like you have a, that, that case that you have is a little DIY, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my dad saw me like fawning over some like, gigantic cases and he would like saw uh-huh. over my shoulder and he was like i could build one of those because um, <laughs> he was a carpenter for like many years of his life uh-huh um, and so we struck a deal um he bought the wood <laughs> and like you know laid out the format um and i picked up the hardware and the power okay that's that's a good deal yeah, definitely. Really, yeah, it turned out really, <laughs> really nice. It looks great. Yeah, um, and, and and the reason I'm, I'm I really wanted to kind of ask about that is I I probably have 
a similar size setup. I've got a Needham that's like 120 HP, five mm -hmm. rows, but then I've got a 7U and a 4U case. So I've got the, the two cases in front of the giant yeah. thing. And um, I find I rarely use all of it together. I've actually been mm -hmm. using my little 4U battery-powered setup more than anything else and having a lot of fun with that. But I'm just curious, like, with that much stuff and with how... Just how, like I was talking about how grand and big your stuff sounded earlier. It seems like you know how to use all that stuff in conjunction. Like, are you often patching like a huge, like a lot of your stuff into one track? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely modules that come in and out of favor. Um, yeah, so for sure. I'm, I'm never using like everything at the same time. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, I have like the expert sleepers so I can multi-track. So I'm, I pretty frequently have like, five or more voices going on um mm -hmm. and sometimes those are like pretty sparse things or like things that are like you know only come in like every so often or like you know at the top of like every four bars or something um but i guess having like the big case and like having um having all of like the multi-tracking available makes it you know it makes it pretty simple to like add all of that little nuance like here and there mm-hmm that's yeah i'm i probably because i don't do it enough but like i feel like i just get so overwhelmed like even when i was first starting and finally got a 7u case like yeah. I, I was like oh this is too much um <laughs> so yeah so hats off for being able to uh command such a large uh <laughs> so large setup <laughs> yeah i mean i will say i think like hollow moon didn't have the most interesting patching um a lot of it was kind of like you know, Ableton sequenced, um, just like sound sources into effects kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I have to admit, like a lot of it was kind of just like as if the modular were like a big fat like outboard VST. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, luckily, <laughs> I uh, think that's a good way to think about it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, I've been challenging myself to like you know have a more interesting patch. You know, do something mm -hmm. besides like an. LFO changing the timbre of something or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question. And, um, so, you know, your album's out and now you've done, you mm -hmm. know, you're doing some live performances. Like, are you already working on the next thing or do you have an idea or a, a, is there a particular source of inspiration right now you're working with? Yeah. Um, so I do have a project that I guess is pretty under wraps. Um, yeah, but it is, in demo form right now and i'm pretty happy with it honestly um like i said like a lot of hollow moon was kind of like i don't know i guess like songwriting as opposed to like patching um and i think now i've kind of like married the two a little bit better with what i'm doing recently um you know interesting patches that are generating good songs i think is like the real goal that's um, that's the nut to crack man it's, it's <laughs> tough <laughs> And I think in terms of, like, inspiration, um, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I never listened to a lot of, like, electronic music um, growing up or even, like, up to, like, a year or two ago. And now I'm kind of, you know, really seeping myself in this, you know, these styles that I haven't, like, given a lot of respect, like, historically. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, now I'm really, like, sitting down and intentionally listening to, like, you know, garage or house or broken beat or whatever mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. or you know uh just sitting down with like 
I don't know, a plastic man track and like trying to figure out like the three of three line that's going on. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, things that I never really like listened to and things that I think were a little bit missing from my music before. Because um, mm-hmm. you mentioned like Hollow Moon is like very rooted in hip hop. Like I would say it's basically like hip hop on a modular synth. Yeah, um, yeah. I think now I'm like starting to figure out how to make like something that is more respectably like electronic. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Well, I look forward to hearing that. Um, I always like knowing that there's like a project under wraps that means something <laughs> cool is happening. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think we're getting close on time. Are you, are you feeling down to try a patch challenge today? Um, yeah. So you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it on the show. Like okay. I'll give you words <laughs> and then, and then you, you go make it in your, in, in your own in your own time mm-hmm. and then just record a little bit of it and send it over to me and I'll drop it in. Okay. Sounds good. Um, but uh, let me, uh, let me get some words generated for you. I'll open up my trusty patch challenge generator here on my phone. All right. Um, let's see. Let's, let's pick a mood. Let's see. Well, we talked a lot about, uh, anxiety and it's a dark time. Maybe should we try peaceful? Should we go for peaceful mood? All right, Just because yeah. today's election day, and let's try to cha- like channel some some peace into the world. So yeah, of course, good. as you're listening to this, you know who won the election, and we don't. So you have that <laughs> you have that uh, luxury of either being very relieved or, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Could be civil war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? You might not be listening to this. <laughs> um, oh, these are weird. Cool succession. Huh. I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, drowsy dove. That's kind of funny. Drowsy dove. That's interesting. Drowsy dove. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see what you could do with drowsy dove. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. yeah that sounds cool. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, so, you know, in the last few minutes here, I always like to, um, you know, give the guest their, their opportunity to shout whatever they, they would like from the modular mountaintops. Is there, is there anything we haven't covered yet or anything that you were hoping we would uh, get to today? Um, hmm, that's a great question. Um, that's a, not a very good host question. I just realized like, <laughs> Hey, I'm the host of the show and I've been doing it for over two years. Will you take the driver's seat for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm very on the spot right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, good. That means we co- that means that means we've covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. No, I think I think that was pretty comprehensive. Um, yeah. I mean, we've been like talking about an album that came out like quite a while ago, so I'm kind of like trying to bring right. things back to like half well, a year ago. That's something also that I've thought about a lot lately, and I'm glad that you brought that up. And I've thought about it a mm-hmm. lot in like. So as musicians, you put all this time into making a record, right? Yeah. A lot of time and so much of yourself and you don't necessarily do it, you know, for other people, but if you're recording it and releasing it, the, the idea is that you want other people to listen to it. Yeah. So you put all this time into it and then you promote it and then X amount of people listen to it mm-hmm. and then we treat it like it's over. But I kind of, I've been thinking like, okay, well, what if, like, say I released something, like I released an album six years ago that 30 people listened to. Mm-hmm. But now that I have the ears of more than 30 people, like, why wouldn't I want to tell people about this thing that I still like? You know, yeah. like, and what does time and release date have to do 
with any mm. of that. This isn't a very f- well-formed thought. It's just something I've been kind of kicking around in my head. And so, yeah. like, yeah, we have, like, maybe somebody listening is like, yeah, why were we talking about this album that came out so long ago? It's like, well, it's, if you're just hearing about it, it's new to you. And it still yeah. is a viable piece of art that, that the artist wants to like keep alive. So I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird kind of, I guess, pseudo-philosophical tangent I've been going out on. Yeah. I mean, it's something that like my dad would always make fun of me for when I like went out and like discovered like some album. And he was like, you're listening to that? Like that's older than you. Like, <laughs> and you're like just finding out about that. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. It's, it's you know, it's new to whoever it's new to. Um, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, I think one of the, like one of the goals that I've been trying to reach recently as an artist is like, not only create something that like I want to listen to, like something where, you know, somebody could put on your album and you're not like cringing at it. Um, Mm -hmm. but also like something like five years down the line, like you can listen to it and be like, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty proud of that. Yeah. And, to- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and luckily, I think I'm still there with Hollow Moon. I mean, let's see where I go in like five years from yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I was uh, I was actually listening to that record that I just mentioned that I made a long time ago, and I was talking with my wife about it, and I was like, you know, I haven't listened to it in a while, and I'm always kind of like, I'm almost bummed that it, it you know, not more people listen to it, and I, I have it like it on a on a pedestal in my head, and yeah. I was like wondering, like, is it as good as I? think it is you know like and i listened to it you know five or six years later like in full and i was like yeah there's there's it could have been a great ep it didn't need to be a 10 song (laughs) album (laughs) yeah but for for five years i and i still like it but yeah it it, that is something that i have thought about too because like i've been in i've made music to where i look back now and cringe and i'm like i hope no one ever finds out about that right you know and and i don't want to ever make one of those tracks again (laughs) I mean, I think also, like, as artists, it's it's really cool to go back to an old project and you kind of, like, shed all of that context that, like, you have as, like, the creator of it. Like, you know, if you're listening to a song you made yesterday, you're like, oh, like, that snare is shit and, like, that transition was mm-hmm. bad. And, like, you can hear, like, all of that stuff, you know, that you've kind of obsessed over for, like, a couple weeks. Yeah. But, or, you know, a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you come back to it, like, a few years later, it's like oh, I've got the fresh ears now. Like, I can kind of hear, like, what people were hearing when they first heard this. I'm like, there's some cool stuff here. Definitely, yeah. It does work in the reverse of what I was just saying. Like, there, there's there been stuff that I've pulled up. Like, I'll, I'll be going through, like, my, my Cubase document, you know, my folders, mm-hmm. and being like, is there anything here that I haven't finished? Or, like, what was this that's a year old? Yeah. And it's, it's named, like, Sweet-Ass Snare Beats with a Z or something, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I'll open it up, and it'll, and I will not, I will have zero recollection of it. Yeah. But I'll, sometimes I'm like, this is really cool. Why did I just abandon this? And it's yeah. because, and it's like what you're talking about. And it's something that, uh, like, I'll, I'll take on students every once in a while to, uh, you know, where we talk a lot about, you know, producing your own music, writing your own music, and then performing it. And it's something that I really try to instill in new in new performers and new producers' heads is like, you are so much closer to this than anyone else. So anything that sounds absolutely awful or too repetitive to you, like you have to distill that down to like 30% of your of how yeah. you actually feel about it at least because that yeah. no one else knows it like that. Definitely. So man, those were good tangents. 
(laughs) (laughs) So do you have anything like coming up as far as like live, like live stream stuff or what, like other than, other than hollow moon, like what can people, what can people do to keep up with, with what you've got going on? Yeah. Um, I'm doing another, uh, streamed performance on synth stream. That'll be at the end of November. Um, pretty similar to, I guess the synth booth performance, um, Mm -hmm. me up here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, um, you know, I will just be working on some upcoming projects. There's a couple more things coming out on mystery circles as well. Um, a couple like, uh, compilations or like one song projects. So okay. keep an eye Very out for cool. that. I might've just revealed too much, but <laughs> <laughs> well, if, um, if you find out you did, let me know and I can, I can magically erase it. <laughs> the power of editing. Um, yep. Yeah, well, man, I thank you so much. I'm so glad that we hooked up over, uh, you know, met through Synth Booth, and and thanks for joining up in the Discord and being an active member in there. Um, that's been yeah, really thank fun. Thank you. Thank and, you for the uh, invite. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you. Well, stay healthy. Stay safe. All that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Stay sane. <laughs> 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 and now here is Drowsy Dove by Akil. A doll.
That was gorgeous. What a lovely patch. What a lovely conversation. Thank you, Akil, and thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out that uh, harmonic shift oscillator from New Systems Instruments. It's always fun to find out about a new modular company coming onto the scene. Um, Benjolin V2 over at Afterlater Audio. I would highly recommend you check out that. Um, thank you to everybody who supports the show on Patreon. If you'd like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Also get active on that um, that Discord. Let's let's hear your drowsy doves. I love this patch the patch challenge thing. Uh, get get active. It's really fun. Um, thank you to Patchworks and Needham Woodworks. And 4MS, that percussion interface and percussion interface expander are super cool. Um, and then finally, um, I would just really like it if you checked out all my remote performance videos on YouTube and go subscribe over there. Um, it's been a lot of fun making them and I'm going to continue to do so. Uh, the one, the ones in Yellowstone were, were so much fun and I think they turned out really, really cool. And uh, I'd love to hear what you think about them. Again, thank you so much for all your support. Two plus years, 130 episodes. That's kind of crazy. Um, anyways, one last thing before I go. Uh, in this conversation, Akil and I were talking about the uh, the mutable elements. I had the Atom, the, the kind of smaller version from After Later Audio. And I said I got rid of it because I used it too much, which is true. But uh, this is the this is the this probably my favorite thing I ever made with with the uh the atom it's called uh shred and shrubs and i hope you enjoy it until next week (laughs) 